As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, yours. Hello and welcome to this edition of Times Ours. I'm Joshua Briscoe with Nate Taylor and Seth Kaiser here on The Athletic. It's a Times Ours. It's a podcast about the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm just talking really fast. You're not on double speed. I'm just worried that if we don't get the show in quickly, there's going to be more news by the end of the hour. So let's get right into it. The Chiefs have not franchise tagged Orlando Brown Jr. They have released or will are reportedly in the process of cutting Frank Clark. Both of those things happened about an hour apart today. And no, we really are just cannonballing straight in because this show has a history of starting shows with no news and ending shows with more news. And I am worried about the possibility that by the time we hit stop recording, I, I can't even speak to what it will be. I was going to try to come up with a hypothetical and it doesn't even exist. DeAndre Hopkins will be a chief in an hour if we don't hurry this thing up and get this to the people's feeds as quickly as possible. So we already introduced us all. Let's get right into it. Hey, Nate, what the hell is going on, man? I, I this think, isn't what was supposed to happen. I, I you know, I, I looked at the script and I think DeAndre Hopkins is next week. So I, I think we're <laughs> I think we're totally fine. Um I'm not saying this is the equivalent. I have two thoughts, real quick. I'm not saying this is the equivalent of the Mitchell Schwartz Eric Fisher doomsday. Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> the day it, of the useless podcast. Oh. But it does remind me of hey, every now and then Seth's schedule does give us the benefit of of uh of letting <laughs> the news come to us, not not the other way around. Man, um, and also, you know, since then, uh, Mr. Briscoe is, you know, I mean, midday famous. So Yeah, yeah. Busy buddy. Midday glory. Um, yeah, I <laughs> Look, guys, I have so many things to share with you, and like, it doesn't. Eh, eh, eh. I mean, they're still somewhat relevant, but look, I watched Saturday Night Live because I thought that oh, yeah. this is what my job required of me this 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 past weekend, <laughs> yeah. and now. Uh, uh, uh. By the way, the Chiefs just tweeted another photo of Travis Kelsey on set at Saturday Night Live. So that tells you where the team is at this moment. You um, should have been a, talking about Travis Kelsey on SNL. Public, should have been the first 20 minutes of this show. From a public uh, perception standpoint. Hey, put out, put out another Travis Kelsey Saturday Night Live tweet. <laughs> they talking about us. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> they suck in Do we occasionally, like, are people occasionally, you think, offended by how dumb teams think they are? Now, I'm not saying we're not dumb. I mean, you know, we're very distractible. But, like, and I understand that, like, you know, everyone should know this. The people that do social media stuff, the PR people for the Chiefs, they are not related to the football people. And they are told they need to do so many tweets. You know, you know, they, they've got to do their job. And so let me just tell you, those are people, those are human beings who when stuff is going down, it's like, hey, we need you guys to tweet about this. That, you know, they're just like, God, I'm just going to do this. <laughs> but they have to do it. So, but every now and then, it's almost a little offensive to me when it's like, ooh, look at the shiny thing. And I'm like, okay, look. Yes, that's cool. Also, I'm not like, come on. I'm not not noticing all these other things happening. Um, I don't know. That's frustrating for me occasionally where it's like, please, just please stop insulting my intelligence. That's the all teams I'm are asking. about to tweet out like the third director's cut of the Super Bowl. <laughs> Meanwhile, like the, the Arrowhead practice facilities are on fire. By the way, another thing that I thought was going to be half this podcast, because since the last show we did, the team basically went to their report cards last year, submitted them to the NFLPA and said, all this sucks. And I don't know, honestly, guys, I don't know if we're going to get to it. And it was genuinely fascinating. Yes, we, we talked about this over the weekend, just the... I mean, look, I have I have thoughts about Kansas City's new airport. We, we oh can't get goodness. to it. We, I, want we those. Just, I, I I I traveled through the future. I I, I yeah. left in one city and came back in another. It's just we cannot get to it because look, you know, um, sometimes um, sometimes this job informs you before you're ready to be informed. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the case for me today on Monday. March 6th in our Lord's 2023. Um, The new league year started today. That's my sort of big picture um, takeaway from today. Like, I know free agency doesn't start until the 15th. I know you can't legally tamper. I mean, my goodness. I mean, you can't legally tamper or negotiate with someone until Monday. But the league started today. Like, free agency basically started with Derek Carr telling everybody, I'm going to play for the New Orleans Saints this year. And they're going to give me. do 20 minutes about. And they're going to give me a nice little bit of money. Because what this tells everybody is, I think some front offices are getting smarter. And, you know, the Chiefs are in the top or echelon of that group about getting through these things quickly so that we can get to the next thing even faster. Um, They don't want to go through it again. Like, they just don't. They don't want to go through another summer of negotiating with Orlando Brown. So why don't we just take that option away? And we had some nice conversations at the combine, and everybody knows the numbers. And, like, we're going to do you a favor. And you're going to do us a favor because it clears cap space. So, once the first quarterback domino goes, 
the league really does start. Now, you could say, man, if Tom Brady was still around, maybe things would have been still held up to some degree, but he is retired. Um, Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) Derek Carr was the hot thing, the reasonable, dependable thing, you know, and he found himself a nice suitor at the combine. Um, as we last reported, he 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 left the room with determination, and now he is <laughs> now he has found his new his new bride. So, um, in the form of an employer, uh, for two years, as most marriages start, right? It's just like kind of two years, and then we'll talk about it again, kind of thing. <laughs> That's been my impression this whole time. Is that not? No. Yeah. Yeah. No. You. you yeah. Hang yeah on, I mean, you hang on to yeah. that until me, buddy. <laughs> yeah, and then you just keep you just keep redoing. Yeah, you know. Well, mostly it's the it's the it's, it's management that that makes that decision. But you know. <laughs> um, oh, oh, I, I've I've signed a fully guaranteed deal, but they have outs. Okay, got it. All yes, right. that yeah, makes yeah, sense. yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Every is everybody taking notes? Um, so <laughs> that's that's the big thing. Um, we can get into the more specifics, um, but it does remind me about, and the reason why I say Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher, it was a bit more uh, guillotine-ish at the time, but we are now in territory where um, Orlando Brown and Frank Clark, I would say the odds are probably neither one of them are on the team next year, as it currently stands. Now, things may change, obviously. Um but they wanted it. They just they they decided to go earlier than I anticipated. Um, but that tells you something else. Maybe uh, also informing their decisions. Mm, mm, mm. That right there. That was a tasty waft. It wasn't. We couldn't taste it. It smelled nice. That was something the opposite. Oven, of, I wonder if you're going to let us have the opposite of a stanky leg, as it were. Um, <laughs> is that? I don't know. Well, that's I not what it. I was getting at, but I respect your ability and your willingness to interpret that however you see You know, Josh, I can honestly tell you, I I have a very full life. That's it, actually. No, it. but still, few things bring me more joy when I say something and you don't know what to say in the next yeah. second. Where you're just I, like, God, it's like, it's like you're dealing with like, you know, your, your great, great uncle with dementia. Yeah. And you're like, I'm just trying to make it out of this interaction. It was a combination of things of like, like Nate snuck in a real gym right at the end that threw off my segue a little bit. And then you said something and I I was kind of mid segue. Meanwhile, I was also looking over to see your retweet on a strange looking graphic was the first sign I saw of Geno Smith's contract extension. Yep. And I was really scrolling over to make sure you didn't get hit with the fake blue check mark. (laughs) Oh, no, no, Um, no, it's Jordan. No, but you're good. You're good. Uh, so Geno Smith, three-year deal, 105 million. We'll see what the guarantees are because that's the only thing that actually matters. Everything else is monopoly money. Yeah, um, he, he was supposed to be a free agent, right? Yep. Yeah. So, so yeah, free agency started today, y'all. It's they they skipped the the tag there and got it done. It'll be interesting to see where that sets things up. I don't think that one will directly impact the Chiefs. Um, but with with all of that uh, and Seth's stanky segue notwithstanding. Um, I, I have exactly one part of all of this that I, I'm hoping you guys will, um, just by happenstance, leave for me scraps wise in the Orlando Brown conversation. But, but here's what I'd like to do so we can kind of get through as many of these things today as we can. Nate, is there anything else that you've got in terms of 
the Chiefs ending up here, and you just laid it out. I, I think you gave the hint at least, but I, I want to know what you think the split is right now of today actually just simply being the breakup for, for Brown and the Chiefs. Um, if this is actually a, a chance that he goes on and tests the market and comes back to Kansas City and they have a more agreeable timeline. I've also seen throughout the day reports that range from that $20 million first year hit is too high to wanting to get a long-term deal done, period. And all of the noise, there's a lot of noise and different yeah. reasons that are being attached to the Chiefs' motivation. And then, Seth, I want you to cannonball right into what you think this this means about how the Chiefs view Brown, how you view Brown, and what they have in front of them now. So, again, as I said before, they don't want to go through an entire summer and spring of, or spring, I should say, in summer, of exclusive negotiations with Orlando Brown, where the starting point is $20 million per year, because that's what he will make on the franchise tag um, if he were to be placed on it. Now, by not placing the franchise tag on him, it does speed up the process. They basically have a week before Orlando Brown truly becomes, for the first time in his career, a unrestricted free agent. Um, I get the sense that they want a long-term deal done. But as I told you guys before we started recording, this is about compromises that the Chiefs feel like have to be made on both sides. We have to compromise to you to some degree. And you need to compromise to us financially to stay on a team where we can continue to contend for multiple Super Bowls with salary cap flexibility, where we just showed you um, around this time a year ago that we're not going to pay someone who scores touchdowns to be at the top of their position in terms of the market. So we can't just disregard that a year later and say, oh, yeah, we'll we'll give you comparable or even more money than Trent Williams at the left tackle position. Um, so now Orlando Brown basically has a week to decide how much he wants to play for the Chiefs or how much does he prioritize getting the biggest bag possible. Um, what the agent has to do, and this is Michael Portner, what the agent has to do is get as many offers as possible and then present those offers to Orlando Brown for him to make his own decision. They have never been in a position to get multiple offers from multiple teams until next Monday. So if their goal was to say, we want, I don't know, 30 million a year. Well, then the chiefs can say, go out there and test that market. Yeah. Go find <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. To which I believe they're I too, saying, I too want 30 million a year. Ex- I mean, exactly. And then I think, I think that the chiefs are like, okay, well we need you to go test that market. And somebody needs to show it to me um, for for me to sort of respond to because I, I you know we're only we're only negotiating with one another right now. Just for context, Trent Williams, the best left tackle in football, uh, makes twenty three million a year in essence. Uh, what I had written in the Athletic last week was that he would like similar esque money, like David Bakhtiari makes twenty three a year, Laramie Tunsil. Entering the final year of his deal makes $22 million. Uh, 
Orlando Brown probably wants more than $23 million. Or at least that's what they've told the Chiefs so far. Whew. And the Chiefs... You can't do that. Just don't want to negotiate for four more months. Realizing that if you give him the franchise tag, you have to allocate that money. That money is poof. It's gone. Can't use it anywhere else. Mm-hmm. The reason the Chiefs weren't players in free agency last year, in part, was because of the franchise tag of Orlando Brown. Because that took up $16.6 million of the cap that you have to allocate for um, and you have to sort of put away for when he does sign the franchise tag. Especially after he didn't agree to a long-term deal last summer. Which, of course, is the case this summer, if you place $20 million on him, and again, he says, I don't want a long-term deal that is not suitable for me. I'll just play on the tag again and make even more money. So the Chiefs want to be players in free agency this year. That is one of the key, takeaway guy, uh, key takeaways, ladies and gentlemen. The Chiefs want to be a player to some degree in free agency. You cannot do that if you place the franchise tag on Orlando Brown. And we'll see where this goes. Um... He wants somewhere probably in the guaranteed total of about fifty million. Rodney Stanley got sixty-four fully guaranteed million dollars. Trent Williams got forty, so it's somewhere in that range. Over uh, a four-year deal, five-year deal, they've gone through it all, and uh, and now Seth, I'm going to ask the question that I asked. Carrington Harrison on 610. I'm going to ask the same question I've asked a lot of people at the combine. Are you willing to pay Orlando Brown 23 million a year? No. And I, I'm so I'm going to do the caveat up front. Okay, Josh, how's that sound? Here's the caveat. I plan on reviewing. I don't know, you know, maybe four to six, six to eight of his games. I've already reviewed a couple, Um, but like really reviewing them and, and charting wins, losses. Cause that's, you know, you got to make sure that you're quantifying what the eye test tells you, right? Orlando Brown has always had the tendency to, when he loses, he loses bad. And so it sticks out in your memory. And there's been games of his where I thought initially that he played a really poor game. Then I went back and watched. I was like, ah, he really only lost two or three pass block snaps. They were just so bad. That and he kind of wins boring sometimes too, right? Like right, it's just that. around the edge, over and over and over. Just push him wide, push him wide, push him wide. And that actually is something I've said about him in a complimentary way in the past, is that he turns almost every edge rusher into the same guy. There's there's value in that. Um, but here's the deal. So I'm I'm looking right now at at left tackles in the NFL. And it, 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 let's just stick with pass protection because that matters a lot more, right? I mean, Trent Williams, David Bakhtiari, Laramie Tunsil, Ronnie Staley, Colton Miller, Garrett Bowles, Jordan Milata. I always say that wrong. Teron Armstead, Tyron Smith, Andrew Thomas, Rashawn Slater, Tyler Smith, not Tyron Smith, Tyler Smith, Christian Derrissaw, and let me just make sure. 
Those, so I'm just listing off these names that I'm reading on Spot Track, right? Mm-hmm. Those are also guys that I feel very comfortable not even having a conversation as to whether or not they're better in pass pro than Orlando Brown. Doesn't mean Orlando Brown's a bad player. He's not. But he is not a top 10 pass protecting left tackle. And when I wrote about him last year, after reviewing like 700 of his snaps or 600 of his snaps or whatever, I advocated for them to give him a long-term deal. Something about like, it was like, you know, 19, 20 mil a year, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And part of that was at the time, I believe he was 24, maybe 25. And part of that was, hey, it was his first year in this system, right? He's a young player. Let him continue to develop. He's developed every year as a player. And so some of that is, because when you're paying a guy, it's about who you think he'll be next year, the year after, and the year after. Not who he was this year or the year before, the year before that. You're extrapolating there. You're paying. They've already been paid for what they've done. Like, that's one thing I think people always forget. They view contracts. Oh, we're paying them for, you know, they're rewarding them. No, they're not. They are paying them for what they think they will do. And so when I wrote about Brown last year and he improved as the year went along, which, you know, I think he was better than people thought at the beginning of 2022, but, um, or the beginning of 2021, sorry. We're, we're already, all these new years and Super Bowl wins, you know, they're just, they're hard to. Fly and by. Yeah. <laughs> so he got better as the year went along. Um, not as much as people thought, because he really got underrated early on, I think. But he got better. And so my assumption was, well, that's a really good sign, right? First year in a very different offense. He showed he could adapt, all that fun stuff. And then this year, the problem is he had basically the same thing happen. Now, Everyone knows that he was playing hurt for a while this year and how much that limited him. We'll never know. You know, the NFL keeps that stuff sealed up pretty tight. But I will say that barring finding the something very different on film um, than what I've seen in the three or four games I've looked at without, without charting. I've only charted the one, the Bengals game, where he was horrific. He got destroyed by Hendrickson. It was bad. Um, I think it was nine pass blocks losses that game. He was one of the reasons the offense didn't work that game because they tried to count on him to be on an Island, which is what you should be able to do. If you're going to pay a guy top flight money, like, and, and he just couldn't. And so they had to adjust, right? And Andy Reid's great. Patrick Mahomes is great. But if you go back and you watch the playoffs, there was help. There was help in the form of chips. There was help in the form of moving pockets. There's help in the form of quick throws. There's help in the form of play action, his direction. You know, just a bunch of different things. And that's fine. That's what you should do, right? Make your player's job as easy as possible. But one of the things that a high-level tackle is supposed to bring, and let's say, let's talk about Mitch Schwartz, okay? One of the things that made him so valuable is that you could leave him on an island, and it didn't matter who you were playing. And that's, that's rare, right? But that's the guy that you pay a ton of money to because you have no limitations schematically, regardless of opponent. That's top flight guys. That's Chris Jones, right? That's even Tyreek Hill. Doesn't matter what defense they're playing. He'll get his. Um, that, that That's where you pay Travis Kelsey. And it's worth noting that the three guys with top tier contracts on the Chiefs right now are the three best players in the league at their position. 
And that's a way moving forward. So I would just say this. You you cannot, in my opinion, and we'll see what the Chiefs decide to do. It, they've clearly set a line in the sand here. And that line is clearly somewhere below 23 million. Maybe it's 20 million. And maybe at that point, fans are like, 23, 20, what's the difference? Well, the problem is you can't do that with every contract because eventually there's a huge difference. The amount of help that the Chiefs gave him, and it's not like this was this incredible amount, but it was there. And some games where they tried not to do things that way and attack the field, attack down the field a little more, it didn't work. And sometimes he was part of the reason why. You can get that level of production out of overall an average player. And I trust the Chiefs. I trust Andy Heck. He's a very good offensive line coach. Develops guys really well. I trust Andy Reid to scheme around stuff. I trust Patrick Mahomes to scheme around stuff. And that's the big thing that I I would just really emphasize to people when they say, well, you know, but if we go get a rookie left tackle, for example, even one you got to trade up for whatever, right? Well, you know, they're going to have to scheme around his weakness. They were already doing that in 2022. And that's why I don't think you can pay Orlando Brown Jr. $23 million a year. They were already scheming around him in, in some very specific ways that you shouldn't have to do for a top-of-market guy. Now, now, Josh, who has the most cap space in the league? I actually you, don't know this. That would be the Chicago Bears. The Bears? All right. Fantastic. The Bears. Um, we'll see. Yep. Because if you're the Bears, you're very differently situated. You have a right. crud ton of... Of cap space. And you a crud ton you, of draft picks and a quarterback on a rookie contract. Yep. You have a ton of things going for you. So if you're the Bears, you can offer Orlando. Like every team's different, right? There's no one size fits all. Here's a great example of this. You know, people always want to give, and I actually started the, if I were Brett Beach series like this, everyone always wants to give the, well, you never do X. And there are some things where that's correct. But it's also like, okay, I don't know. Um, Hey, it's not even a debate. The passing the ball, way better than running the ball in the modern NFL, right? There's no debate. Well, there shouldn't be. The numbers are so clear. But I, for one, am very grateful the Chiefs chose to run the ball a lot in the second half of the Super Bowl because the situation called for it. And that's where you have to be aware of when you might be an exemption to the general rule. You should be against going, you know, against the general rule. You should say, no, no, no. By default, we're doing this because it's the smart thing 80% of the time. Well, okay, do we have a real good reason not to? So if you're the Bears, you've got all this money. They could give Orlando Brown $40 million this year and then have a really cheap deal from all the years after. You know what I mean? Like you could do all sorts of things. The Chiefs are not situated that way. They've also got an elite center who's going to need to get paid. They're already paying a left guard at, who, uh, elite money and they're going to have a right guard that who's going to need to get paid. And all three of those guys are better players than Orlando Brown. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Here's my um, my one thing about this that just has given me a bad feeling about all the news since it broke today. And 
I, I will also want to specifically mention, and as Seth has written across his entire If I Were Brett Veach Part 2, I, I really think that there is a a snappy and correct quality to, I believe the way you get yourself in trouble is by paying okay players elite money. Yep. Fundamentally, I love that. I'm completely with you on it. And the only thing that just has me scratching my head right now, if there's an answer, I'd love to hear either of you provide it. I'm I'm down to believe that there might be an argument somewhere, but the part that leaves me scratching my head is the idea that with not franchise tagging Orlando Brown, there is a nothing in return option that is right. now on the board. I I wasn't losing sleep at night, you know, going, oh man, what if they tag Orlando Brown and they trade him to the Bears and all they get back is a second round pick. Although I, the Bears traded their second round pick for Claypool, so I don't know when that would be. But, you know, or the pick for the Bears, let's say it's their third round pick at the top of the round. If you said, oh, it's the, it's the last pick of the second round, you know, first pick of the third right in there. That's that would have been fine. I I would probably hit that. I mean, knowing what I know today, I would certainly hit that button. But I am left really uneasy with the idea of allowing yourself to lose a good player. I'm not saying he's an elite player. I'm not saying they're never going to recover from letting Orlando Brown walk. But it just feels like leaving a little bit of value on the table. And I understand that you can't tag him and then still use that money until he gets traded because he's on your salary cap now. Um, I understand that maybe they got less in return in their offerings than they were expecting. I understand the compensatory formula. Please, nobody else tweet me about it. I'm, I swear I've heard of it. I know it's real. But it just seems, that seems to me to be a little bit of like, well, I'm not, I like leaving a garage sale with like, well, I'm not paying $100 or I'm, I'm not taking $100 from this. Uh, you take it for free. Uh, this is not, we have not come to an agreement. I'm just going to go ahead and let this asset go. And uh, no one would ever pay $100 for anything at a garage sale, by the way. I don't want to get about that either. I, I know these garage sale streets better than that. But I, no, I, I either want I want uh, to pay $5 for it or I'm going to just walk away. The potential value loss there just, just leaves me with a bitter taste in my mouth, despite the fact that I would be pretty comfortable with the Chiefs having maybe an additional asset to try to solve that left tackle problem some other way. If they had a long-term deal done with them tomorrow... I'm sure I'd probably talk myself into it and I could see how it would work. But that one particular part just just again leaves me with a little bit of a, a bitter taste in my mouth because it, it it even if it's not, it kind of feels like mismanagement. Like if another organization traded a bunch of picks for their left tackle, played them that year, tag them the next year, and then let them walk instead of trying to flip them or instead of successfully, I suppose, flip them for some picks as a, a franchise tagged player. I would make fun of that franchise. If the Colts did that, I would make fun of the Colts for doing that. And uh, this doesn't make me feel very good. So what am I, what am I missing? <laughs> I, I actually, I, I have a slight rebuttal for that because I think you're mostly right. Like that there's concern there. One thing that's worth noting with Brown, they basically got him for the equivalent of a late first rounder, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Based and, on the, based on the, the, the draft chart. Um, when you, when you trade picks. Yes. Yep. And, and that's it's the non Johnson one because I like the, the Johnson one. It was like a second rounder, and I know there's a lot of conversation about now that the rookie wage scales in place. Yes, it's been modernized, correct? Yep. And so the the thing that I would say is I think you're right. I think um, because of their specific situation, mm -hmm. because they lost Schwartz and Fisher in a year they did not think they were going to lose both Schwartz and Fisher. Mm -hmm. This was a okay. What do we do now? We still have a Super Bowl roster. We still have Travis Kelsey, and we just lost both tackles. Okay, 
we can take a risk long term at right tackle, but we like we got to do something. And getting two years of cost controlled Orlando Brown, I think I would argue has been. And then when you include the fact that let's say he just walks in free agency, right? And it goes towards, you know, the equivalent of a third round pick towards the formula, even though, you know, if they sign other people, it might bounce out to where you don't get that third round pick. But it it sends a third round pick into the formula. We'll call it that way. How's that mm-hmm. sound? Mm-hmm. That seems good. I think that's, you're close there. An end of the first round pick for two years of cost controlled, decent left tackle play that you needed. And then, you know, you get the third round equivalent in the end. I think you're close there. Still probably not ideal, not quite where you want to be. And I'm curious if maybe he didn't develop quite as much in that second year. They thought, okay, you know, year one, he was, you know, he was solid. Maybe your teal, he'll be good, good. You know what I mean? I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I, and so I think by not franchise tagging him, you're not tying yourself to something. But I'm, one thing I'm curious about, they've just been like in the same place as every other NFL team. Yeah. They know the market for Orlando Brown Jr. right now. At least you'd think they would. This is what uh, <laughs> um, I, I think I think they have a strong indication, but um, these things can change fairly quick when when free agency really starts. Um, it's it, it's one of the best things about the combine because you can put out a lot of scenarios in Indianapolis and hear a lot of different things, and on one hand sort of put it in the pros and on the other hand well what if this agent free agent does this or what if this team does that like it the the board shifts um in such a way that i think um that i think it's going to be really really interesting to know that um for the first time in his career orlando brown has a choice and i and i yep. just think that can't be you know that can't be dismissed or um it's a really big part of this equation. Like Orlando Brown finally through today's uh, news has a choice. Um, And that choice can be obviously multiplied on next Monday when, when you can legally tamper, although I'm sure no one's illegally tampered in Indianapolis. I mean, I'm just sure that Juju Smith-Schuster just, doesn't know what other teams might pay him if <laughs> if he doesn't want to return to the Chiefs. It's in the range of about 13 to 14 million. Um so look, uh that's where the podcast works, guys. Sometimes I just drop little nuggets as mm-hmm. we talk about something else. Um, if you haven't been here before in the free agency process. Now look, would Brevi say, hey, how about eleven with some incentives tied to it to get you to the 13, 14 range? Well then then Juju Smith you will have a choice to make now, wouldn't he? Um, so for Orlando Brown, like it's just that's just where it is right now. Um, but we're gonna learn what he chooses. And I think that's I think that's and sometimes I think that's necessary for fans to really see for themselves. Um, because when you get traded to a team, um, as Seth was saying, some of that is situational. Um but the ball really is in his court now. Um, and the Chiefs want to see what he prioritizes most. And it's it's his choice and, and it's his prerogative to to make his decision. But he's never he's never had this before. And yep. so you you have to be willing to acknowledge that he's he's um 
he's earned something that he has worked, you know, five years in the NFL for. Um, I could tell him that, you know, playing for the Bears will mean something. I can tell him that, hey, the Atlanta, Atlanta Falcons got some money. What if they trade for Lamar Jackson? I'm just I'm just throwing things <laughs> out there, y'all. What if they put the transition tag on this? If they put the transition tag on Lamar Jackson, pack his already. <laughs> Man, that's I like the fact that you're you're talking about the idea of choice, which by the way, if I were in Orlando Brown's shoes, I'd probably say you know, I won a Super Bowl now. Might as well get this bag. <laughs> like, I don't know. I feel like most people would make that choice. What do you think, Josh? I just kind of wondered how long we were going to let Seth, Seth, Seth sit in it. Um, <laughs> because I didn't have anything else to add there. And I wasn't sure if Seth was going to keep going or not. So, ah. If this is your first time listening to Time is Ours, sometimes the awkward pauses that make you check your phone to see if your podcast app is still working, those are features, <laughs> not bugs. We, we keep those in there just for the engagement. Um, I, I, it, my, my one little thing from what, what you kind of laid out there also, Seth, is I, I did sort of look over at the, uh, the little plot of land that, that said, free take, the Orlando Brown trade is now officially bad. Um, and I, I went over there and I kind of looked around a little bit. I left and decided I didn't want that take. Um, mm. because I, I do think that would be a wild oversimplification of a whole bunch of things. And they did like, you know, win a Super Bowl and were pretty good near prior and you needed somebody there. And if it would have been Tevin Jenkins, where are the Chiefs right now? I, I don't know. Um, probably not exactly where they are at the moment. So I'm, I'm not like going back to say, oh, you didn't get the return you should have gotten on the, the Orlando Brown trade altogether. I just... I hate feeling like yesterday the Chiefs at least were going to get something for moving Orlando Brown. To right. I'll be like, oh, he's probably going to walk and that's going to kind of be it. Like that, that was not weird. an option I had considered very much. But also, you know, I, I hadn't dipped in strongly enough to the Chief in the North newsletter where apparently things like this are just common knowledge. So um, <laughs> with that in mind, Nate already gave us some uh, a little juju nugget there. Seth, I was I was curious as, as to uh, where you landed on that one as well. If, let's say, some intrepid reporter kind of offhandedly said it's about 14 to $15 million for a year of juju, and I, I've not yet uh, asked or uh, heard a nugget from this intrepid reporter about how many years that would need to be included over, uh, but but where are you at right now on the uh, Juju Smith-Schuster side of things? You know, I found myself in a in a surprising situation or like so basically so you know every year i do if i were brett beach part one part two part three part four just however many parts it ends up being i feel like this year it's going to be like a seven parter (laughs) um well because you're going to have to write a new one the day after your the previous one comes out every time you're going to have to have like a 2.5 right uh uh, three remix yeah and that's one of the things that i love doing is like you do the first two parts which is what i've done you know like um, you know, salary cap stuff and then in-house free agents, which I managed to do in one article this time. I was very proud of that. Hey. Um, not just because the last time it was guys I'd cut loose and then it was guys that I'd try to keep around. And I just felt so bad about that first article. It's like, man, that's negative. But I was able to do it all at once here. And something that surprised me, because the Chiefs on paper have a lot of free agents, um, which everyone does this time of year. And also multiple guys that played a lot of snaps, you know, Orlando Brown Jr., Juju Smith-Schuster, Carlos Dunlap, Derek Nottie, Andrew Wiley, um, 
you know, Blake Bell played a fair amount of snaps. Jerick McKinnon, McCole Hardman, Juan Thornhill, uh, Justin Watson, Colin Saunders, Tommy Townsend, although he's restricted, so he doesn't really count. Like, nope. you, you see all these names, you're like, holy cow. But as I really went through it and I thought about what the t- team needs and what it doesn't need and what people are likely to get offered on the open market, I found myself more, yeah, you know what I mean, than I expected. Like, ah, let him test the market, see how it goes. And Juju Smith-Schuster was actually part of that. I ended up, um, I divided people into various categories. Um, and it was, you know, got to have them if the money is right, bargain bin only, or let them walk. Um, and the final verdict I did for Juju Smith-Schuster was bargain bin only. Um, and that's on the scale of what his market would be. But yeah, you wanna, yeah, now that yeah. we've got a 13, 14, and Nate, do you want to, I mean, Juju's looking for a long-term deal now, right? This isn't going to be a one-year uh, carousel for him, right? Uh, no, that's not, I mean, that's not the, no, I would not, I would not say that under that um, setting. Now, look, I'm just trying to inform you guys, I ain't making the decisions, okay? <laughs> so on Spot Track, you know, it's a tool. It's a tool, guys. Mm-hmm. I'm just using a tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saying that obviously this is exactly where it's coming from, but I do think, you know, with it, like, I guess my question for everybody listening that's a Chiefs fan Juju Smith Schuster, $12 million. Because Spot Track suggests that his market is 14.7. So there's there's always a little bit of tension in negotiations. That's the way it should work. Um, most times they're not. Obviously, I think there is a legitimate thing to the Super Bowl tax that is mostly about the other teams who may have to overpay. But when you reach free agency, you gonna have to overpay um, to some degree, uh, especially in that that first wave. Now, part of this too is there are no Christian Kirks in this year's free agency class. Um, I think the Chiefs will have to decide between Juju Smith-Schuster and McCole Hartman. I think as of right now, they've made their priority more Juju. Uh, But again, we'll see how things uh, sort of trickle out. Um, But yeah, I don't... Given given the fact that he had a concussion in November, uh, given he played through multiple injuries, obviously the knee... Uh, towards the end of the Super Bowl, um, I think the suggestion would be that Juju would like some form of a multi-year deal, whether it's a two-year deal, masquerading as a three-year deal, or a two-year deal tied to a four-year deal, depending on whatever the team's cap situation is. Uh, but yeah, I'm assuming it'll be, hey, I'm not going to be doing this again uh, next spring. So with that being said, Seth, back into kind of the receiver discussion? Yeah. You know, here's the here's the thing where I'm just so... Here's the problem. By, by, with, by the way, Marquez Valdez Scantlin is making 8.5 next season uh, with an $11 million cap hit just for context. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that are, oh, yeah, cut him loose. I, I just, that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, Valdez Scantlin, $11 million cap hit for a useful deep threat who can do a few other things in a pinch, like if you really need it, who also, by the way, just decided to one day put on his I'm a number one receiver hat in the biggest game of the year before yeah, that, Super- that day was the day of the AFC championship game. Yeah. It wasn't just a Tuesday Yeah, where everyone was gone. And it was like, Oh, you need someone to beat man coverage and punish single high. I am that dude today. That was awesome. Like that was like, that was really cool. And, and he had such a big moment there, obviously an incredibly quiet Super Bowl, but 
you know, the Eagles were playing a lot of too high, man. And you know why? Because they saw what happened to the Bengals when they didn't. That yep. matters. Yep. Yeah. You need dudes like that. So here's the interesting thing for me. Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling are actually a really good complimentary pair of receivers to have. Seth, can I tell you something I saw today? Oh, boy. I was back on the MVS uh, reception perception. Matt Harmon, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's good. I went and found the the 2021 one because we were talking about it uh, on the show today. And I found a tweet of yours that I cited on the radio. I I mean, I think this would have fit the timeline. So I'm not saying you were in the future or whatever. But you called MVS (laughs) a bizarro Juju Smith-Schuster based off of what his route tree looks like and what Juju's route tree looks like. And I just think that that is fascinating for reasons that I can double down on here in a minute. But I just wanted to take you back in time a little bit because you've been consistent now for at least a year or so. And that, it really, he's, he's bizarro MVS. He wins shallow. Um, the, one problem with, <laughs> the one problem with both of them is that neither of them are terrific man coverage beaters. And so you end up in a situation, and you can see this on film, where there are snaps where... Teams will play aggressive man coverage and, you know, maybe halo Travis Kelsey and ain't nobody getting open. Mm-hmm. And that's that's obviously less than ideal. And and you you really want at least one dude. Now, the, here's the thing, because and this is where Juju Smith-Schuster is a really hard one, because can he win against man coverage? Sometimes, yeah. Also, he's a guy who can win on back shoulder throws and contested catches, whereas yep. MBS, that's not him. And so, like, Juju Smith-Schuster is a guy that you can pay him $14 million in this current market and be okay, but you're going to have games where it costs you if he's your main guy. And now, the problem is, are you, you're not going to get a true number one wide receiver for $14 million a year. I, Bar- I, think pe- I think people are going to lose their minds about how much Jacoby Myers makes this, this spring. Yeah. I think yeah. so, too. I think a lot of people have suggested him as a replacement, and I think that's perfectly viable. I think he's a better player than Juju Smith-Schuster by a little bit. Like, I think he can win deep a little more. They're also the same age, which is fascinating. That is fascinating. It's unreal. Um, The the, the thing with Juju Smith-Schuster that pushes me over the edge, though, because I'm so back and forth with him because he has value. I mean, you watch the second half of the Super Bowl. Teams can't really play zone coverage very effectively against the Chiefs because it's not just Kelsey – who, who works over zone coverage. Juju Smith-Schuster works over zone coverage really well. It's really great feel for that for a relatively, well, I mean, he's been in the league like five years. Like he, he feels zone coverages really well. There's value in that. There's so much value in that guys, but he's, just, he's not quite good enough to where you're like, yeah, you know, he's our number one guy and this is going to work out really well. And the thing that, that pushes me to the, yeah, sure. Bargain bin 10, 11 mil. Great. To where if you wanted to, you could sign another receiver on a big contract. Like if you wanted to, right? Sure, that level. The injuries. Because even though if like one day if people look back and look at his pro football reference page for 2022, they're going to say, oh, he was really healthy. But man, he had to. And like, look, concussions happen. That's not, you know, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the number of times that he didn't white look right and is that really going to go away at this point because that the the knee stuff that's been a concern for a while and that to me is where i think it's almost like the tiebreaker for me 
to where if I'm going to pay a guy who is a decent option, who can help in a lot of ways, but isn't, you know, maybe, you know, you know what I mean? Where you're back and forth. I think it's got to be at least someone who hasn't had consistent health issues for three or four years. How is, uh, how is Sammy Watkins and Philip Dorsett essentially the same age? That is so weird. They're, they're also both impossible. Juju and Sammy are two great ones for like, they're not older than that, but uh, you found some good dudes to compare them to. It's crazy. Sammy Watkins is 29 right now, kids. Unreal. Really? <clears throat> yes, he's 29. Yeah. That's like right up there with last year, realizing that Frank Clark was like 28 last year. Yeah. Yeah. Philip Dorsett is 30. He turned 30 and. uh it does not tell me when, based on Google. But he's thirty, huh? I, look, um, these are. Uh, by the way, these are both uh, unrestricted free agents at the receiver position. Just to give you again more context about, you know, where certain guys are. You're telling me that Jamar Chase isn't an unrestricted free agent. They're not just going to. I am not. The market. Not I am not. Hit the market. Who who's gonna get franchise tagged next year by the Cincinnati Bengals? I'm looking forward to that that bit of news. I'm not even gonna use that as an excuse to talk about the end of the 2020 draft because I don't think it's necessary. So I'm not gonna. Um, nope. So we we have talked about Juju and and obviously Orlando Brown. And again, the the sort of second news piece of the day is that the Chiefs are expected to move on from Frank Clark. Not that there's anything super shocking about that, but Nate, you can give us. A little bit of what you heard even around the combine, because it sounds like that's where the, the two sides tried to meet to see if there was a way that the Chiefs and Frank Clark could come up with a restructured deal that would keep him in Kansas City. Ultimately, if slash when they do actually cut him uh, as a pre-June 1st cut, which it needs to be to get the money early on in the offseason, um, it'll be a $21 million cap saving. He will take about $7.7 million in dead money with him this year, so that will be on the cap no matter what. Those are roster bo- or prorated bonuses not roster bonuses but signing bonuses prorated out still hanging on there so they'll free up 21 million dollars with this move uh, but it sounds like there was legitimately an effort to to see if there was a, anywhere else they could meet nate yeah and you know some people will say you know and I, and I wrote about this in the athletic last week hey you know could chris jones sign an extension create some space like um you know if if It'd be tough to have an extension for Chris Jones before free agency began. Um, so that's part of the equation. You know, Frank Clark, um, I genuinely believe, wants to stay with the Chiefs. It's just his value, again, via spot track, $12.4 million. Cool. I don't understand that. No, Last, that I, I'll take the under. Okay. Now, the thing that I had sort of approached to a few people in the league is hey what about six incentives gets you get you to about 8.5 because last year frank clark made about four billion dollars once he restructured his deal in essence to stay a part of the team so that he could reach free agency this year in higher regard which he has uh succeeded in doing Mm mm-hmm I, you know, Frank Clark, this is, I'll be honest, these moves that Veach is making right now, cutting Clark, letting him, hey, you go and test the test free agency. Now, now over the caps evaluation calculator. Oh boy. Says that his production in 2022 was around 7.4 million. 
So the Chiefs, yeah. in essence, got a bargain because he was making three point seven million. See, yeah, where, where, where does he fit in in the in the veteran edge rushers we've talked about over the last couple of years? See, and that to me is if he wants to come back on a Carlos Dunlap deal, mm-hmm. that, or, that's uh, one that's one year three million. That ain't happening. No, it ain't. Right. And here's the deal: Dunlap, I think, was better than him last year. So I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, yeah. You know, so it's just tough. And I understand all the intangibles. I understand, you know. But but at the end of the day, Dunlap, and it was closer than it was with Ingram and Clark, because I think Ingram, yeah, Clark was worse in 21. And I think Ingram was a little better than Dunlap was in 22. But it's all that same realm, right? And that's the thing is Clark, to me, at this point in his career, and that seems weird to say because he's only 29, like him and Chris Jones are like the same age. Mm-hmm. It's just Chris Jones just keeps getting better every single year. And Clark is physically, you can just look at him. He is physically not the same guy he was in 2018. It's like 20 pounds lighter. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and man, whatever he's had to work through with some of the stomach ailments and stuff, shout out to him for working through that. That has to have been incredibly hard. But, you know, it's the whole, it's a business. And so if you can sign Carlos Dunlap off the street and get similar production. It's the Orlando Brown argument all over again, right? If you can sign or draft a young guy and work around him the same way you can with Orlando Brown, right? By giving him chip help, by giving him schematic help, by having, you know, all this stuff, then why would you pay someone $23 million? If you can get similar results for a lot less or only slightly worse results for a while. And it's the same thing with Frank Clark. Why, you know, you can't pay the guy like he's a above average or good pass rusher when that's not who he's been. I think Mike Dana, Carlos Dunlap, and George Karloftis by the end of the season were all better than Frank Clark. And that's not like a shot, you know, Karloftis developed. Mike Dana, shout out to him. But if you can get that production for less, that's really like when everyone talks about like salary cap hit and stuff, I view it for, okay, if you can get this for that, then why would you do it for that? And so that's where with Clark, it just because they were starting from a contract that was based on yesteryear, mm-hmm. they were never going to be able to come to an agreement because you're, you're uh, talking, it just, it, it just doesn't work. Can I interest you in Arden Key, key free agent? Yeah. T- 27 years old. Seth, do you know who Arden, why Arden Key matters to the 2023 season, 2022 season? Why? Tell him, Josh. You 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 definitely remember <laughs> one play of him tackling a quarterback. We talk about it pretty large amount. Oh, and I right. think the show all agreed that it wasn't dirty. I think I'm not. The silence made me wonder if the show didn't agree that it wasn't dirty. Yeah, I I, I don't think. He but he 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 uh, he tried to break Patrick Mahomes' ankle, and Patrick Mahomes' bones healed overnight, like Wolverine from the X Men. So it yeah. didn't work. No, and, and the rest of the and the rest of the season was just I'll, about keeping I'll, up appearances because they don't want to reveal that Patrick Mahomes is in fact an X Men. I just want to say four names who are technically going to be unrestricted free agents next week: Arden Key, Melvin Ingram, Justin Houston. <laughs> Bring him home, Trey Flowers, and Frank. Trey Flowers is an unrestricted free agent. Uh huh. I didn't know. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And that's like I mean, I think Arden Key is a is a better player. 
You know, what this can you is, do? This is, this is truly the part of the off season where like, we're, I thought today might be our first draft show. And we're going to have a lot of these, a lot of these moments where especially, hey, if you are a new listener joining in for this episode, sometimes we just don't know things like that's just I just didn't remember that that Trey Flowers only signed a one year deal last year. You know, he was a dolphin. Crazy. He was on IR at some point. When did he go on IR? I don't remember. We don't remember things sometimes. But uh, we're going to bet a lot during draft season. I'm, I'm going to I'm really excited, Nate, for you to tell did me you, who I should be you, and shouldn't be caring about. Did you like Sean? <laughs> I can't even say these guys. I'm sorry, Shaq. Did we like Shaq Lawson coming out of the draft? By the way, people are legitimately asking that in front office buildings for NFL teams. Yep. Did we like, hey, 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 pull up that, pull up that Shaq Lawson profile. Look at that Shaq Lawson tape. Did we, did we like him coming out? Did we like, this is, you know, this is his first time up. <laughs> like, these are, these are real things. Um, so just, just want to, just want to play along. Um. Yeah, I mean it's you know he's just... <sighs> it's a very silly time of year. Yeah, um, we I know I know everybody's got to wrap up here, and we've got through most of everything. Seth, is there anything else you want to either touch on real fast or just sort of refer over to the newsletter? Um, because as we've talked about, you've you've gone through the entire list of pending free agents. Oh. I want to talk about Juan Thornhill at some point, especially because I feel like oh, Juan Thornhill about to get paid. Okay, yeah, and so there it is, I guess, right? Like that, you want to talk about the the spot track uh, projections and stuff. The ones I saw at the very beginning of the off season, I'm guessing, are way too low because what I saw, I would have been happy for the Chiefs to pay him, and it seems like it's moving in the Juan Thornhill bank robbery department. Good for him; I, he's a good player, and I was hoping he'd be back. Uh, but that being said, do you want to point anything else out over there or, or preview anything coming next, uh, Seth, up on the newsletter? Um, I would just say, and you know, yeah, obviously I benefit if people subscribe, but you really should subscribe and check it out. I think I try to go through pretty a lot of detail how the Chiefs can buy a lot of cap space and they can do it for this year. You know, they've already started with ex- with you know, releasing Clark, extend Jones, fiddle around with Mahomes' contract, which they didn't do last year, which means – it's easier to do this year in terms of future year cap hits. And then the other thing is like all those free agents, like you said, by moving on from Orlando Brown, like to, to kind of encapsulate all the stuff, you know, Clark and Brown, those guys are the first two dominoes to hit. Nate, you kind of implied this in allowing the Chiefs to be flexible enough to do other stuff. If they had retained Clark and franchise tag Brown, that would be kind of a little bit, they'd still be able to make some room doing other things, but it would be a little more of like a run it back type thing. They seem to be looking to be aggressive in moving forward and continuing to develop and kind of keeping the team evolving. And I would just also say one final thing, like in terms of with what we're seeing from Brett Veach this year, are we seeing like the new Brett Veach, not just maybe a little more fiscally disciplined, but a little more, you know what? I have been destroying the draft. I have been, I've made some real savvy moves that led to a Super Bowl win, you know, and by having Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones. But are we now seeing a new Brett Veach? It's like, nah, man, take it or leave it. We will not overspend because we are the Kansas City Chiefs. We are a dynasty and we want to keep ourselves in position moving forward. Whereas opposed to maybe two or three years ago, Veach didn't quite have as much freedom, maybe. I don't know. It's just interesting to me 
to see that now they've rather than, no, no, we got to keep this dude at all costs. Now it's, nope, here's the line. That's a bummer. And I wonder if the Tyreek Hill, the success they had with that trade has kind of emboldened them towards, okay, resource allocation is a big deal. Especially when you're talking about players who are not elite players. I don't know. But who, or who knows? Maybe they announce a, you know, by the time right after we get done with this, they oh, announce God. an extension with Orlando Brown Jr. You know what I mean? Twenty five million a year. Okay. Fully guaranteed for some yeah. reason. Just yeah, weird. fully guaranteed. Twenty five million a year. Ten years. Uh, Nate, with that being said, uh, I, I know you've got stuff from the combine that we haven't fully gotten to. I know the draft beginnings will, uh, will come around very soon. I also know you need to leave and go pick up your son very soon. So, I mean, you can tell us the short, shortest story you want and we can tell you can tell us about the airport later, or we can, uh, talk about SNL next week. You, you follow your heart here and, and get us out of here on this edition of Time is Ours. You can also read all of Nate's stuff, of course, up on theathletic.com. If you're not a subscriber already, go to theathletic.com slash Time's Ours. It'll take you to the best deal the Athletic's got going. Nate, what you got? So, with everything happening in the world, um, I'm just thrilled that uh, this is for you all. Um, I know that we've tried our best. Hopefully, it's been successful. Um, but it was really cool to be in Indianapolis and to get these sort of notifications over time as you're trying to talk to somebody on the chief staff or, you know, an agent or obviously someone um, with another team. And, yeah, just to see the the amount of people who shared uh, that they had received the confetti. So I don't want to forget about that part of the show. Uh, we appreciate it. Some At some point, fellas, I'm going to. Uh, share with you all these all these uh messages but yeah but for like a lot of people it was it was really appreciative i can't name everybody obviously because um the slight bit of news is that we we delivered i hope we delivered over uh 650 uh small packages of confetti from super bowl 57 that pretty much concludes the the season um we we sent them to as far as Japan and the UK, no and kidding, Australia, uh, and Canada, um, and obviously a, a lot of people in the United States. So um, it warmed my heart while I was trying to uh, decide who I want to talk to next. It's so late. I've had <laughs> so much. <sighs> Juju wants what? It, and then, then I'd get a message and say, oh, thanks. Like, we, we, we got the confetti. So people have already started to display it. Keep sending the photos if you want. Um, you can tag me, Josh, and Seth. It is much appreciated. Um, but, yeah, in <laughs> the 2019 Super Bowl, we, were, we felt like we did the Lord's work sending out 150 uh, pieces of confetti to, to 150 people. We did 650. Guys, please praise my wife, Holly, on social media. <laughs> What we have gone through over the last two weeks is, is really is really for y'all. Is really for y'all. So, um, thank you so much. Obviously, we'll be back, and I, I'm sure that as soon as I hit this button, something gonna happen, y'all. So, uh, you might hear us sooner rather than later.